Before we get to today's episode, I want all of our listeners to be aware that PECA has extended the VSP Vision exam rebate through the end of 2024. For those members participating, they can earn up to an additional $15,000 on their VSP commercial eye exams this year, 2023, and up to an additional $30,000 more in 2024. If you have not taken advantage of this incredible rebate, I highly encourage you to do so. Now to the show. Welcome to the Practice Advantage Podcast. I'm Dr. Justin Manning, and here on the podcast, I interview experts from within and outside the eye care industry on the business management topics and advice that matter most to you, your practice, your patients, and your success. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Practice Advantage podcast. In our last episode, we spoke with Dr. Mila Yusufova regarding the role of cryopreserved amniotic membranes in clinical practice. In this second part of our series, we're now diving deep into the world of dehydrated amniotic membranes. At PECA, we believe dry eye management and ocular surface disease is such a huge area of opportunity for growth within any private practice, and both types of membranes play a significant role in patient management. As we discussed in the last episode, these technologies drive both patient outcomes and revenue generation and business success within the practice. On today's episode, my guest is Dr. Jerry Robin, Chief Optometrist at Bowden Eye and Associates speaker with Dry Eye University, and the brains behind PECA's 90 Days to Dry Eye program. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate the opportunity to get on with you. So before we dive into the business applications, the clinical aspects of dehydrated amniotic membranes, how did you first get exposed to this technology and start bringing it into clinical practice or into how you take care of patients? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's a it's a great question. It's something I get asked whenever I'm talking about any of the dry eye technologies and the the breakthroughs that we're always educating about at Dry University and at 90 Days to Dry Eye and all of our other platforms. They're interested to know how did you get there. Well, for us, it, it was kind of a natural just progression of what we were already doing. Our uh, founder at our practice, Dr. Bowden, he's a Will's eye trained cornea specialist. And he found out a long time ago, way before dry eye was cool, that it was important to, you know, maximize the ocular surface in order to get great surgical outcomes. That was his main uh, objective. And that then bled into, you know, just primary care, taking care of patients proactively. And so we were always really in tune with dry eye. Like I said before, it was fashionable to do so. And then, you know, about 10 years ago, we had the, the dry eye renaissance is what I call it, where Lipaflow came out and tear osmolarity testing and Blefx. And, and along with those and many other things were uh, the biotissue Procaras, the cryopreserved amniotic membranes, which were kind of the godfather uh, to this technology and all the dry eye membranes have kind of stemmed from. And, and so just utilizing the, the, the cryopreserved membranes was kind of just the next 
logical leap for us. And and once we started doing that, then we found applications for the dries and we saw how well it was, you know, helping our patients' ocular surface to heal and improve the problems we were treating and bolster the the overall dry eye performance of everything else we were adding in. And like I said, it just became logical and natural for us to start to use this technology. I love it. I'm I'm gonna go off script here because you know we we have you on the podcast. As you think about dry eye management for a practice that's thinking about taking the next step. And, and I realize there's a lot of different steps that they could take. What are the most essential things that they can do to expand how they're taking care of patients with dry eye in their practice? Well, you know, you have to, first off, you have to believe in what is actually happening to the patient. So many practitioners are still held back by do they even truly believe that dry eye is what it is? It's a chronic, progressive, multi, uh, multifactorial inflammatory disease that affects people's livelihood and affects the overall health of the eye. Uh, we're still understanding that. And just some practices, some doctors have grasped that sooner than others, but it's inevitable. It's going to happen to all of us because it has to. This is a, this is a disease, an ocular disease. It's probably the most common ocular disease. So belief and conviction, and then arming yourself with proper diagnostics. So we always say to at the very least get tear osmolarity, uh, getting uh, an inflammatory test to test for ocular surface inflammation. And there's new advancements coming out like lactoferrin testing and, and different things. It's always evolving, but those are kind of the mainstays, osmolarity, inflammatory, and then of course mybography. So you can visualize the structure of the glands and help educate the patient and help develop treatment plans based on the structural changes. No different than the way we use OCT and glaucoma. And, and, and then you have to have, you know, treatments available far beyond the traditional treatments. We still use lubricant drops, although less than we used to. We still use warm compresses and lid hygiene at home and nutraceuticals. Um, but we all, you know, it, it's so much more than that now. It's, it's, it's like dentistry in that you can't just brush and floss. You've got to have dental cleanings. You've got to have cavities addressed. You got to have the root canal when you need that and anything else you can think of. In dry eye, there are targeted treatments such as a zest treatment to clean and exfoliate the biofilm from the lids or a blefex. We utilize both of those. And I think, you know, it, that's that's a must-have is one of those, um, you know, to help with the biofilm component of dry eye and, and the blepharitis and the like. Uh, you got to have something to uh, address meibomian gland disease. You've got to have a thermal pulsation treatment and or IPL. And really, you need both because there's different types of MGD and in one patient, IPL is going to be the more appropriate treatment. And another, maybe IPL is not an option. So a thermal pulsation treatment, LLLT maybe fits into that mark, which I've had, we've had great success with too. We're blessed because at, with Dry Eye University, we, we have an obligation to use as many different treatments that are out there so we can talk and educate, you know, from a firsthand experience. That's something that we try to do at Dry Eye University and, and at our 90 Days to Dry Eye is to not just stand up and do a commercial. I talk about things that I actually use every day in my clinic. And so we have 
way more treatments available to us than what the normal practitioner is going to have. But you got to have something to clean the lids off. You got to have something to address MGD. I really think IPL is something that we can all work towards. And if you don't have that or you don't foresee that being available in your practice, then having somebody close to you that you can share care with in that regard, those are things that you really need to have. And then you have to have a good understanding of the, the, the medications. And there's a slew of them that have recently come out. And, you know, the most exciting one is, of course, MIBO, the perfluoral hexaloctane that BNL has the rights to. We were involved in the clinical trials for that, and we knew straight away that that thing was a home run. Is it a cure? No, but it's an awesome tool. Another one I really like is Tirvaya. I don't think it gets its due, but being able to improve that natural tear production by three times just by simply putting a little nasal spray in is also a powerful tool to help gain homeostasis back and protect the ocular surface. So being willing to open yourself up and prescribe medications and learn how they work and how they fit into the puzzle, and then how does that complement these therapies that we can do in the office? And then just learn as you go, because we're all still learning. So it's a lot, but and that's why a lot of people are resistant. But it's it's a necessary thing that we all need to embrace because it's real and it's only going to become more prevalent and more problematic. I think we just took 90 days to dry eye and turned it into 90 seconds to dry eye. That was awesome. Good, good. Thank you. <laughs> so in, it, let, let's get back to our topic today of, of dehydrated amniotic membranes. To start, how are they processed? What are the advantages that they bring clinical practice? Yeah, absolutely. So th this is information that I actually, you know, for the most part, maybe watered down, but I'll share with the patients who I'm, I'm recommending this. I like to tell my patients stuff that maybe other doctors think they can't grasp, but I try to do it in a way that, that you know, they can understand. And, and certainly for our audience, you know, this is, this is a pretty important question. So the amniotic membranes come from placenta with normal, healthy cesarean births in most cases, where the placental tissues, you know, donated to these harvesting uh, companies. And there's, you know, this whole industry behind this because this material is not just used in eye care. It's used in multiple surgical uh, applications. Podiatrists use it. Uh, orthopedic surgeons use this. Dermatologists use this. It's been used for decades in burn victims. I mean, this is proven science. And, and, and so eye care, you know, we're just, lucky because the way we use it is a little bit different than than the other, you know, uh, medical professions. Uh, but it's harvested from uh, uh, placenta after healthy births. It's it's tested for, you know, any uh, communicable diseases or any undesirable qualities. And then once it passed that tests, it's generally sold to these manufacturing companies. And then each of those manufacturing companies have their proprietary methods in which they prepare the amniotic membrane for delivery. So biotissue is unique because they're the only one that provides their, their cryopreserved um, uh, method. They call it cryotech. It's their proprietary way in which they uh, sterilize and uh, prepare the, the membrane for application. You, you know, I, I use both of these, the dries and 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 the and the cryopreserved, and and that's not unsurmountable. When a patient needs a cryopreserved, then you know you can set their expectations and be able to get the patient in most cases to tolerate that. But an advantage of the dry 
is it doesn't have to have that big bulky ring to deliver it. As far as the dries go, there's a, a number of different uh, manufacturers out there, and they all have their own, again, proprietary way in which they prepare it. Uh, the one that I'm most familiar with is the Pekka K disc, which has really become my favorite dry uh, amniotic membrane device uh, because of its quality, because of the way that that it performs on the eye. And it has shifted my practice to where I'm now applying more dry amniotic membranes than I am the cryopreserved. And we can talk about that as we go. But uh, the neat thing about the, the PECA uh, K-disc is it, a, a lot of these use gamma radiation to sterilize it. And that has some negative effects, again, on these organic properties. And the K-disc utilizes an E-beam, which is an electron beam, where just for a few seconds, it can be applied to the tissue to sterilize it. And then they use just a warm room that's pressurized to dehydrate it, not extreme temperature or any chemicals or anything like that to prepare it. So I, I like the preparation technology, and I think that it translates into just better availability of the uh, healing agents that we want for a dry eye membrane to provide. It, I'm curious to hear more about when you reach for, first of all, a membrane in general in your practice, when you reach for dehydrated, how early do you use them in the disease process with patients with dry eye or ocular surface disease? So we always try to utilize these types of technologies sooner rather than later. Um, that that's kind of the, the the common problem that all of us have gone through th throughout dry eye, especially is that we wait until the patient's too far gone, so that then th the treatment that we're trying to use isn't as effective as it should have been, and especially had it been applied sooner in the disease process. Again, we're talking about a chronic progressive disease, so the patients are always going to get worse. Even if you're managing them, there's a likelihood they can get worse, right? So using it sooner rather than later. So what am I looking for? I'm looking for breakdown of the ocular surface. So specifically patients with punctate keratitis that's not responding to more traditional treatments, steroids, lubricants, all the warm compresses and everything else. Maybe they've used a BCL in the past and still aren't getting better or ointments or anything like that, or they're just frustrated with the treatment I've given them and it's not getting them to where they want to be. I had a patient this morning that was like that. He was a 38-year-old guy. He's seen me three times. Today was the third time. I've got him on steroids and all the supportive treatment. He's still got two plus PEK across the cornea. So I said, look, we need to heal this eye first. And then the treatment that I'm giving you should help hold that line better. We just need something to get us over the hump. So I set him up for uh, the, the, the Pekka K-disc. He's going to come back and see me in a couple of days. We'll put it on his worst eye first. I'll leave it on there for about a week. Bring him back, make sure he's happy and satisfied and that we've seen some improvement. And at that point, we'll we'll do the other eye. And then I haven't told him that he's going to be cured after this, but this is going to help turn the clock back on what we're doing. Get him to a much more stable place where the cornea is at least healed. And then with my other supportive treatments, and I also talked to him about, you know, lid debridement treatments and IPL and all that stuff today, and really kind of keeping him informed that this is a long game and that the, the amniotic membrane is just, like I said, a way to put the clock back and then start from there. So 
those are going to be the majority of my patients is just a dry eye that's not healing like it should or getting the patient back to where they want to be. But then prior to surgery, we do these routinely to optimize the ocular surface. Patients, of course, who come in with an injury, uh, an infection, uh, and after surgery, you know, after a PTK or a corneal graft where there's an epi defect, we'll put a uh, amniotic membrane on the day after to address that. And anything then, of course, any, you know, four alarm fire where, you know, you need something to heal them better than anything you can, you can, you can do, get them, get them on with a membrane and, and start that process of, again, turning the clock back and then start to pick up the pieces as you go. I think that's such an important piece that you shared about, and and Dr. Mila Yusuf always said the same thing, is the earlier you use them in the process, when it makes clinical sense, the better the outcome for the patient, the better the long-term impact from a dry eye management standpoint. And it also has the business benefits and helping grow the, the revenue side of things. And that's not always an easy conversation to have, is, you know, but in this case, truly what is best for the patient is also good for the business as as well. So starting earlier, we love to jump to you know, advanced technologies straight for the train wrecks, and those aren't always the easiest ones to manage. Yeah, and and I think that's our nature as doctors is just like you said. When you see that train wreck, it's easier to say, "Oh, well, let's let's uncork you know this technology and and utilize it, and it helps." Well if you use the same technology on a less severe patient, guess what it's going to do? It's going to help them too. And probably going to help them better because they have less, you know, disease process going on. And so it, it, it you know, we, we don't have to, um, you know, restrict the, these awesome tools that we have. We should be educated in our patients about the, the abilities that we have. We should be proud of, the technology that we know about and how to apply them and how to take care of patients. And then again, you know, uncork that knowledge and that expertise and, and show your patients what you can really do by pushing the envelope a little bit. And once you do a couple of them, you'll be so comfortable with it. It just becomes easier and easier. The conversation with patients becomes easier. The whole billing process becomes easier. And, you know, like you said, on the business end, you know, these, this is a, a very well reimbursed code. Um, you know, the reimbursement ranges from region to region and, you know, it could be anywhere from $800 to $1,200. And there's cost. And, and that's a benefit of, of the dry ambionic membranes over the cryopreserved. It's, it's reality. Uh, they're, they're, you know, a fraction of the cost uh, for the provider in order to provide the technology. And, 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 and so there's, you know, uh, more profit to be gained by using the dry ambionic membrane. And if you look at that, you know, you're you're probably netting about, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars, depending on where you're at after your cost and everything. Well, an ophthalmologist doing standard cataract surgery probably, you know, gets reimbursed anywhere from three to five hundred dollars these days for doing a full-on cataract surgery in the 90-day global period. So this provides an optometrist a, a medical treatment. That's that's, you know, highly technical, very advanced, but something we can all do. And and it gives you the the, you know, the financial benefit of something that is ahead of what ophthalmologists now get for doing standard cataract surgery with a zero day global period. 
So there's a lot of awesome advantages by just, again, gaining, gaining experience with this and utilizing it. M my goal is to try to schedule one of these a day at least. And sometimes I get two or three. And some days I may not get one, but I go to work the next day and look for the appropriate patients. I'm not shoehorning patients into this, but I'm always vigilant for when might I have somebody sitting in front of me who would benefit from an amniotic membrane. Once I satisfy that, I educate the patient. If they're ready to proceed, then we set it up and make it happen. I think that's such sage advice in having that conversation, how you look for the patients that would benefit from it and, and how the ultimately the business benefits at the same time. I, it's certainly one of my many soapboxes is why do we separate business profitability and business success from patient outcomes? Both should be priorities. We shouldn't prioritize one over the other, but what is good for patients is good for the business as well. I'll share my own story. I, I, to the point that you shared about the zero-day global period, I had a patient come in. I'll be very brief here, but a patient come in, he had seen corneal specialist after corneal specialist for recurring corneal erosions. We used a dehydrated amniotic membrane on her with a bandage contact lens. She immediate the pain immediately, <clears throat> she started feeling better. She came in the next day and her eye had been so angry from this nonstop recurrent corneal erosion that a lot of the mem the dehydrated membrane had already been had already dissolved. We put another one on and that next, that very next day. And it was the single treatment, one that she had never had done by any other provider. And it lasted her the longest period of time between when she had a recurrent corneal erosion. She actually followed me to another practice where we didn't accept her insurance because it was that life-changing of a treatment. And I, again, we're talking dry eye as our primary way of we're using this, but they they these are truly game-changing technologies. So, Jerry, we get close to wrapping up. Tell us a little bit about your experience. I don't want this to be a KDIS commercial by any means, but you mentioned it. Tell us a bit about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, it, it's kind of been a paradigm shift for me. If you and I would have had this conversation a year and a half, two years ago, you, you know, I I would be telling you that cryopreserves the only way. You know, the dries really don't stand up to the technology that the Procara is. And and KDISC has changed that for me. So I've been a speaker. I've been a consultant for biotissue. I love biotissue. I love the technology. And I believe in Dr. Sang's uh, science wholeheartedly. And, and in those severe patients, you know, a Procara is, is the best one. Uh, but for, you know, 80% of the other patients, uh, a dry membrane is going to be, uh, you know, just just good enough for them to uh, Im improve their situation and get them on the right track as we've detailed. And the K-Disc has performed, you know, in my clinic, in my real world before my eyes in a way that I have been okay with making that shift to where now I'm reaching for the K-Disc, like I said, about 80% of the time and then using the Procara in those uh, remaining more difficult patients. And I, I haven't had any issues where I've, I've been like, oh, I wish that I w went with the other. Um, so, you know, the beauty about the, the, the K-DISC is it's bi-directional. That, for me, was one of the first pluses because uh, I had used previous uh, 
previously other dry membranes and I had accidentally put the wrong side on the cornea. And at that point you're, you're stuck, right? So having the bi-directional ability of where you can put the K-disc down on either side and still get the therapy, you know, is, is just a no brainer for me. That's, that's the way it should be. And the way it performs out of the wrapper, it, it, it doesn't taco up. It's a lot easier to perform. I've never had one shred on the eye or anything. And these are all things that I've experienced with other uh, dry amniotic membrane platforms. And so, you know, it's it's just, like I said, real world, it's proven to me that it's it's viable and it's effective and, and it does do what it's advertised to do to improve the healing of the eye, reduce inflammation. And like I said, I've found it fully appropriate for the majority of my patients uh, when I'm reaching for an ambionic membrane. Sure, I can't thank you enough for this conversation, sharing your expertise and wisdom. Before we get to our final question, which our listeners know well, is there, are there any other tips and tricks or success pieces of wisdom that we haven't talked about from a dehydrated amniotic membrane standpoint? So I think we've covered the, the amniotic, the dry eye, you know, amniotic membrane. Well, one, one pearl that, that our practice uses that I, I still think many haven't gra gravitated towards, and I'd like to mention it is whenever we have a patient who we're recommending an, a, a membrane placement, no matter if it's dry or cryopreserved, we will generally have the patient come back another day for a minor procedure. And we do that for a few reasons. One, we find that when we do them same day, the exam fee gets bundled pretty regularly. And so you lose a little, a little bit of your work there. And, and uh, obviously if you bring them back for a separate minor, then you get best of both worlds. You get the, the full reimbursement for the exam, full reimbursement for the amniotic membrane placement. And then we use a pro procurement form, which is just a simple form that, that people can get, you know, really anywhere. We have it at dry eye access, which is our website that, we use with 90 days to dry eye. And what that is, is a, is a way for a staff member to just confirm coverage, uh, make sure we are aware upfront before the patient even shows up for the placement of what their out-of-pocket expense would be. We notify the patient prior to them coming in so that everybody's aware of what their financial responsibilities are gonna be, deductibles, co-pays and the like. And if the patient, you know, of course, doesn't agree with that, then, you know, we'll we'll advise them to come in and we'll go in different treatment. Um, but that just helps us to sidestep any potential, you know, snafus on the money side of things so that everybody's happy and, and everybody, of course, is getting, you know, reimbursed appropriately and, and everything stays positive. That's fantastic advice and a great way to wrap up our time. We always... And with the same question, we believe leaders are readers. What are you currently reading? So I've been trying hard, Justin, to get uh, the Lifestyle Investor finished up. I think that's one on most people's list. It's a simple one. Uh, nothing too profound, but it, it's on everybody's list, and I'm trying to make sure it's been on mine. But man, with Dry University coming up uh, early next year and, and 90 Days to Dry Eye and all the clinical trials that I'm in charge of, plus seeing patients five days a week, plus being a dad, plus being a husband, plus being just everything. It Man, I'll tell you what, I'm still struggling to try to get through this book, but that's that's what I'm reading. I look forward to someday hitting the uh, last page on that thing. We'll absolutely put a link to it in the show notes. Gary, this was awesome. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you.
If you've enjoyed the Practice Advantage podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to take your practice to the next level for the sake of your patients, your team, your community, and your bottom line, give us a call. 1-800-959-2020, option three. See you next time.